0: you are listening to the critical mass radio show orange county's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to ceos who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi,
1: And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. This is podcast episode number 1188, and it's interview number 1502. And I think we have a very good show for you today. I'm excited. Finding your inner (coughs) passion and linking it with your career is a win-win situation in many aspects. Not only will you be able to live out your passionate dreams, but also possibly, and hopefully, make a difference and claim your spot in society. John Kurtz, co-founder of Dog is Good, does just that. I've invited him in the studio today to share the positive influences that dogs have had in his life and with his products and services. John, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast.
0: Well, thank you very much.
1: Pleasure to be here. It's great to be here. Let's start by um, asking you what i gave you the i gave the name dog is good right. but what is it about your firm what do you do
0: what makes you unique tell us the story john yeah it's um not not a long story necessarily but several years ago i would say in the early 2000s we recognized that there was a cultural shift going on it wasn't a trend there was a shift and it was mm. the importance of dogs in people's lives and as we were fond of saying we saw in our lifetime the dog move from the backyard to the bedroom and then into the into the bed Okay. and we just saw the humanization of pets as being a really big deal we also saw people getting into the pet industry people that we knew of didn't know personally and we saw people who we kind of thought were making money that had no business making money okay. with products that okay. were just frivolous. And we thought, well, there's something to this. And we were, we were dog lovers. My wife, uh, my wife more so than I. I okay. love dogs, but I'm not one of, one of those people. But, but she is. But she is. <laughs> and, she uh, might be and listening to
1: this, John. She so. probably is, okay. if not live. What's her name? And
0: certainly later, Gila. Hi, Gila. Pleasant, pleasant talking to you. So we took note of that and determined that you know maybe a better way to go after this would be to serve the dog lover as opposed to the pet industry.
1: Okay, philosophically, a different approach.
0: Right, because we figured if we can own, the as a business, if we could, as a brand, if we could own that relationship with the pet lover, then we could do anything from a product, service, or experience-based standpoint. So that's really what we ended up doing, and it wasn't like a situation where we recognized this is what we're going to do and on Thursday and then Friday we wrote it all out it didn't <laughs> it didn't happen that way in fact it was it was slow i had a i was still in uh, another career i'm i'm actually a 28 year navy veteran retired yes. captain and oh. all of all of this thinking was going on while i was still on active duty so i wasn't Where were you stationed? At that time i was in Washington state. Okay.
1: Good thing you're down here now with all the snow they're getting up there, so you're fortunate.
0: Right. Well, that was a while ago. Right. I've actually been retired now since uh, since the end of 20, uh, 2009. Okay. So yeah, so we you know we we pulled together a few things, a few products, enough to get a trademark in place, get okay. it out there in commerce, just in a very in a very small way. And yeah, so we just started. Started building the business with the with the notion that we knew we had something. We knew we had an idea. We knew we had good ideas. Mm -hmm. We had really good messaging, emotional messaging that could appeal to the dog lover because we understood. We knew the we knew the person. We knew that you know the avatar, so so to speak. Although there's there's more than one pet lover type type of avatar there, and we made a go at it in fits and starts and with a little coaching along the way we learned what we're really about because if you're going to go into that industry well as you know you got to niche it down right you can't be all things all people you can't be all about hey I'm all about dog rescue cute and fuzzy pets and this and that mm-hmm. what we determined was that what we're best at is diving into that and being part of that dog human relationship and coming up with the messaging the art and messaging that just brings people in and reminds them and this is really the crux of the brand it reminds them how great it feels to as we say how great it feels to be with dog capital capital d right god is good dog is good so we, we do the you know we figured okay a little bit of reverence there right same thing in our um, our logo so is that how the name came about because i'm curious yes. about Dog yeah, is yeah, good. I was just flipping it around, God is good, dog is good, and we figured, as I said, it would give us the opportunity for some irreverent humor. Okay. And so is that a part of the brand? Sort of a tongue-in-the-cheek, a little bit? It is. Bit? Reven- it, it, light. It, is. Okay. it is. There's definitely a humor component to it, but at the same time, it's something that people relate to. There's always something in the line where... Anyone who has a relationship with a dog is like, oh, my God, that's just so me. Okay. So are you today, dog
1: is good, a product company, an experience company, a services company, or a blend
0: of those three? Mostly a pro- still a product-based business. Okay. And what we figured is we need to get out there in a... In a in a big way, product-based to to get known, and then as we can develop the brand, then we can be attractive for services, and we are working on some things right now, and experiential sorts of things as well, mm-hmm. which is also, the service component is, is largely experiential, but, and I'll probably get to, to this through your questioning today, is, you know, what do you do to, to make revenue? A part of that is also experiential. Uh-huh. Not that we're getting paid for experiences, but it's the way in which product is moving. So, so let's talk
1: about your revenue
0: engine then. Mm-hmm. How, how do you make money? What is the platform? So we, we really do three different things. The largest revenue generator is um, business-to-business, B2B sales. So basically we're selling into retail stores. Okay. And a component of that, the wholesale Sales is something I'll I'll circle back to, and we call that our exhibitor program, where we have people that sell our product only at events and pop-up shops. So that's the that's the wholesale, it's a B2B component. We sell online, dogisgood.com. We have an Amazon presence as well. Okay, and we have a. Did you debate that, or was that an obvious decision? Amazon. That was a debate. Okay. That was a debate until it became an imperative <laughs> okay so but the thing is the thing one of the things that made that decision easy not easy per se because at the time yeah we we messed around with that but it's only fulfillment by uh, seller central amazon fba as opposed to amazon purchasing your product and reselling it okay and when you lose control of pricing you're you're out of business But when Amazon really started doing that and buying from manufacturers directly Uh and cutting out the third-party sellers, then it became an advantage for us to really move out on Amazon because if you own the brand, if you own the manufacturing and you can control it, then you can make money on Amazon because you charge retail price. Mm -hmm. So we don't discount anything on Amazon. By any means, in fact, sometimes we sell for more. All right. And if something – I'm going to give away my secrets to the listeners – uh, pay attention. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if something's so if something is on clearance on the website, it's probably still regular price on Amazon. Wow. So you yeah, for us it makes sense. We own the brand, we control it. We don't have we did have third-party sellers, so there were Amazon power sellers basically mm-hmm. that were buying from us and, and selling and we just, in 2016, I think it was, no, 2017, we just phased them out and said, hey, you know, by fourth quarter, you're out of here. We right. want all the holiday sales for ourselves.
1: So, so a couple things that I've noticed so far in our interview here, and I'm talking with John Kurtz. He is one of the co-founders of Dog Is Good. Um, I believe the most valuable real estate in any company is the space between the entrepreneur's ears this gray area called right. our brain. Right. It's our philosophy. Mm-hmm. And if that real estate isn't right, the business can struggle. <laughs> if that real estate is right, the rest of the things kind of, I think, over time fall sure. in line. Sure. I'm impressed that early on you thought strategically about your company as a brand right. and what you wanted it to be, knowing that most entrepreneurs iterate that strategy it usually it's not the first go that ends up being the scalable business model but
0: and and i will tell you it was through coaching from a a specific person that the light bulb went on okay and we had a conversation i gila and i remember it distinctly and he says what are you about because we thought oh we got this great stuff and you know great great ideas and great humor He's like, well, what what are you about? Well, we're about this and dogs and blah blah blah. And he's like, no, what what are you about? And basically, it was like, come back in a year. <laughs> a grasshopper. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's I was just thinking, it's kind of like watching uh, Kung, Fu, Kung Fu. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Karate Kid. Uh, Kung, Kung Fu. Back oh, Kung in, Fu! Great. Right. Yeah, back yeah, the in like, TV the, show, the late seventies. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, so we thought we thought we kind of nailed it there, and then he said, come back in a year. And we did, and he liked it. So, yeah, so we kind of marched down that road. It's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to build a brand. So in doing that, we also recognize that, wow, you know, what we're really doing is is creating intellectual property that we can repurpose again and again and again. Because when right. it's art and messaging for dog lovers, it doesn't matter what it is. If someone likes it, they want it and wants are senior to needs, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> they're, they're more important than needs, so people will buy it. Mm. And... We uh, we also th- then went down the road of licensing the brand, and we have now 30-something licensees okay. that make everything from puppy pee pads to shower curtains, glassware, post-it notes. I mean, you name it, there's like all this Dog is Good branded stuff out there oh. from a number of different manufacturers, including now some household products and pet products. and So if you were to share <clears throat> lessons learned about companies that choose a
1: licensing strategy like that to extend and expand their brand, mm-hmm. it, have you learned any critical lesson that you'd like those who haven't done it yet to benefit from your experience?
0: Yeah, I don't know that I could distill it down to any one okay. great point other than it takes time. You can't just go out there and say... I've got a brand a brand is a promise. Yes. How do you how do you prove that you're meeting a promise? You got to you got to show great customer service. You got to show great art in in our case because we're art based. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like we're licensing a technology out or something. But we've got to show acceptance out there. So getting that first one, that first licensee or first significant licensee cuz there's people come and they're like, hey, I want to license it or a small company, and they don't do much. Uh-huh. but they can still get the brand out there, okay? So you have to kind of recognize that, all right, there might be a lot of effort involved in this. I'll give you an example. We have a licensee that does credit and debit cards. Mm-hmm. They just license sports figures, whatever. so and i didn't I didn't realize this, but the 20-somethings, 30-somethings, they do a lot of prepaid cards. They mm. just keep recharging cards. Well, this company does that in addition to credit cards with banks and that sort of thing. So they wanted to license the Dog is Good brand and use some of our messaging on these cards. Mm. Now, it doesn't, you know, it's hardly even worth, the, you know, the money we make each quarter from that isn't even worth recording it in our, you know, in our system. But people are seeing it all, the time right. right they're putting their pay in with the card you know someone sees the brand someone sees our art and messaging uh-huh. and then contrast that with we've got a couple of licensees that got product into advanced auto parts so that's car magnets with our art and messaging and air fresheners two different licensees that's right now so far it's probably 3,500 to 4,000 stores. Wow! Not a lot of product going in each one, but right. it, it adds up and it, it gets out there. So it's gotten us into thousands and thousands of storefronts that we would never be able to get into. So right now it's really brand exposure. Mm-hmm. We are working on some, and, and actually signed some pretty good sized licensing deals that I'm not yeah. I can't.
1: We're not breaking news here today I, on Critical yeah, Mass I Radio can't, yeah, I, can't,
0: I, I can't do that. So that, that's that's, we'll a, back. that's exciting. But, you know, it's taken us, I think we started licensing. Our first contract was signed in 2011. So how long has mm-hmm. it taken us? Eight years. Patience, then, it takes. To, huh? to get to this. And you'd sign someone big. And so we just signed a contract with someone um, that's big. And they won't have product out until probably third quarter next year. 2020. 2020. Okay. Yeah. So that's a long game. So we won't get paid until the quarter after. Right. 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 So yeah, it's a long, licensing is a long game in the the type of licensing we're doing.
1: Okay. We're talking with John Kurtz. He's co-founder of Dog Is Good about his brand and philosophy. I I wonder if you could think about a time in your career where you had failure at something? Never happened. Okay. Never. Then I'll just skip on to the next question (laughs) because there's nothing to see here, ladies and gentlemen. But... Maybe you can reflect on someone else's failures and share it with us sure. about, you know, <laughs> can you explain the circumstance and sort of what I'm really interested in is not just the setup, but what was the lesson that you carried forward from that?
0: Yeah. Well, this happened to someone I know. Okay. Yeah.
1: Good friend um, of mine.
0: Yeah. One that, that happened in the last year and a half. And we made, we made a ton of mistakes. And some pretty bad in terms of largely, I would say, in terms of manufacturing and getting mm. s- not having a recourse over pallets worth of Mm. you know what but we were we were working with a uh, a well-known retailer 100 stores and the buyers were pretty excited about stuff and we were excited 100 stores you know with full fully stocked displays and all this stuff and the buyers were like well we want to do this and we're thinking well you want to do it so okay we'll will provide but we knew that that probably wasn't the best Mm. choice of product they made some good decisions here and that was good and they wanted this and we didn't really we thought well you know we thought you know better in a way right and you're the customer you're the customer we don't want to counter that and as it turns out none of like none of these commodities sold oh my god and that hamstrung the buyers from buying any anything new from us, right. because they had all this money in the, uh, sitting in inventory, and until that stuff moved, they couldn't do anything else. Wow. So, yeah, it cost us. It cost us a lot.
1: So, if you were to do it dif- if you were to do it again, how would you do it differently? How? Would, what did you learn from that?
0: That if we feel strongly enough about something, in, in a situation like that, then then yeah, we need to speak up. The buyer doesn't necessarily know. Right, right. You're sort of protecting and, them against themselves. Right, so. and there's situations maybe not in this case, but where we might know their customer base a little bit. And we mm-hmm. know, you know, in different verticals, different customer likes, and very we well. Maybe they know they know their customer. Right but lessons w- learned right right and that's yeah that's one I mean there's always okay. there's always well let's sellers.
1: let's turn it in a slightly different direction then mm-hmm. um, I love I'm curious about unintended consequences mm-hmm. of strategic decisions mm-hmm. can you think of a time where you had a strategic decision or an important decision that you guys made and you expected one outcome <laughs> and the reality was something that was different
0: you know I, I would say that that happens pretty frequently mm. and i'm very aware i'm i'm actually very thoughtful and a lot of it has to do with my navy upbringing. sure sure yeah right it's a, it's a very risk-averse organization because mistakes can cost millions like like that yeah. or harm to people right and, lives and, and whatnot so there's these this always comes up and, and one of the conversations we had is how do how should we incentivize salespeople well, you know, if we're giving them the leads to work, or their existing customers, or dormant customers, there's a certain amount of effort involved in that. But there's also a certain amount of of surety yeah,
1: that right. they're going to get the yeah, sale.
0: Right. So we shouldn't incentivize we shouldn't incentivize that as much as somebody who has to go and cold call. Right. And you know, hit the bricks and and do I'm all that you. kind of stuff. Yeah, right. The effort. Right. Right. So if you're going to pay two or three times like say 15% instead of 5%. Well, think from the other perspective, right? Where are they going to spend their time? You know, knocking on uh, knocking on these doors with a with a higher payoff probability. Probably. So those are you know, those are the conversations that you know, that I think everybody has has to look to. But we've also done things where we ended up doing a lot of work for a little bit of revenue, investing a lot of money in product mm. that didn't necessarily work out. But when I look at these things, one of the things I always I, I always kind of joke about is the um, the flawed plan poorly executed, mm. right? You start you start with a plan that was kind of half baked, yeah. and you do it badly, or even if you do it correctly, <laughs> right. it's it's just not going to going right. to work out anyway. But then there's times where you have a good plan and you've evaluated it, but somewhere in the execution, something went wrong. And that causes – it's an unintended consequence, but it's a consequence of a wrongful action, not of right. a bad plan. Right. But then there's, then there's consequences, unintended consequences, where you've got a good plan, and you've thought it through, you think, right. and you've executed it well, and then things go badly. And those are, those are the – you know uh, tend to be the real bad unintended consequences. So yeah. there's one that came to mind, and that is probably four years ago. We were doing a, a Facebook contest – and we had pretty good, pretty good Facebook following. And, and at the time, we we were doing a lot more on Facebook. So we were going to do a Dog Mom of the Year contest. So people had to submit a photo and what they do in terms of, like, dog rescue or things that benefit dogs and blah, blah, blah. So we had a really nice package, and we narrowed it down to... 10 people. It was a lot of reading to go all these sure. th- through all these things and we read up on what are the legal requirements for contests and found that hey you got to make it USA only and you know the random stuff and okay. whatever in case someone ever had to pull the string on this and see that hey you know you guys it was unlawful yeah. or whatever. So we didn't want to go down that road. So we thought we had a pretty uh, pretty watertight pretty watertight plan here. So we got it down to 10 and then we found that one of the 10 contestants was in the UK mm. and they had not divulged that. So we kindly said, look, we're, you didn't divulge this and uh, we have to take you out of the contest because yeah. you're disqualified because, of, because of a yeah false, right. you falsified what you did and then Facebook lit up like you've never seen before and everybody all the dog mums in the UK were activated against dog is good wow. and it was wow. amazing talk about an unintended consequence it was amazing <laughs> right. and it was what I was like, what, what do we do you right know, it was this big s storm <laughs> right. coming our way and right it, you know the threats and this and that and um, so let's put a bow on it what'd you do who let it ride Ultimately, right? Yeah, you can't. You can't. You could say you're sorry, and they'll pick apart your apology. You, you know, we've been we've been through this again since, hmm. and you know, it's a great weapon when it needs to be. So we, you know, we made the apology, and then just left it at that. Okay, and let it run its course. All right. Take, let the energy come out of it over time. Uh, absolutely. I think I think that it's it's easy to really overreact right. in a lot of these situations, but. It also helps to just have the ability to let it go for a little bit and see what happens.
1: So we're talking with John Kurtz. He's a co-founder of Dog is Good. And final question here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast for today. I'm going to have you back a couple years into the future. What's going to be different? Where are you going? What can we expect from you and Dog is Good three to five years out? If that's not too far of a crystal ball for you.
0: Yeah, we think about that all the time. Okay. Our vision is to be to dog lovers what Harley-Davidson is to motorcyclists. I was thinking, yes. yes. Top of mind for all things product, service, and experience for dog lovers. No one's no one's got that position. Okay. And that's, that's where we'll be in five years.
1: Because when you were talking about how you were licensing and people were using for air fresheners, um, I was thinking of Harley-Davidson because people wear Harley-Davidson exactly. because they want people to know... All the good things you impart on Harley-Davidson, you should impart on me because I've identified with that brand. Or they've tattooed it on some part of their body and wear it permanently.
0: Exactly. And people buy our stuff, and in the case of apparel, they wear it because it's who they are as a person. It's a dog lover, and they're telling the world. And people love to tell us, I got so many compliments on that new hoodie or Mm -hmm. T-shirt or whatever. It's who they are. And this is this whole humanization of pets and, and all of dogs it's not a trend it's a cultural shift mm-hmm. and there's a lot of there's a lot of good lessons in that and a lot of good insights to be had when you look at that in the future of retail mm-hmm. and how we intend to to navigate that uh, one of the things I did want to mention was our, to circle back on, was our exhibitor program. Yes. So we've got an army of brand advocates that buy wholesale from us and sell retail at events and pop up shops okay. as a business opportunity, and they're going crazy with it. They love it, 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 it energizes the, the customer. It's experiential right. sorts of selling, which is uh-huh. very important now in, in the world of boring retail and department store kinds of things. Sure but it's a uh, it's a really powerful way to do sales. Hmm.
1: And uh yeah, So 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 if someone would like to learn more or maybe even buy some dog is good product, where would you what's your website? Where would they find you online?
0: dogisgood.com. <laughs> simple <That's> pretty simple. <laughs> simple as that. If, yeah. yeah, and uh anything anything that they need to know or want to connect with us about whether it's Licensing, pop-up shops, whatever. Uh, there's links on there.
1: Great, dogisgood.com. Correct. And that's so simple, hard to it forget. John, is. thank you for being a friend and a part of the critical mass community. I appreciate you coming in and sharing a bit of your story with our audience, and um, I look forward to having you back at some point in the future.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. And I've
1: enjoyed the conversation, <laughs> and I and I and I really want to reinforce the fact that uh, how great it is to hear an entrepreneur who started with a strategy decision before implementing because sometimes well you
0: when you look back and time
1: is compressed it it, it kind of (laughs) overlaps a little bit like we
0: had our act together (laughs) right well
1: you're so modest so thank you very much i'd like also like to thank paul roberts who is the engineer for today's show and the three producers without whom i could not do this show joan park crystal nunley and haley stern if you'd like to connect with me online let's start at linkedin i'm richard franzi f r a n ZI, And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions move your company in a positive direction.
0: You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.